The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Today, Lloyd, I am so excited to welcome back Mark Robert Waldman, who is one of our very favorite guests and one of our very favorite people. I'm thrilled because he is an expert in neuroscience, and we have had the opportunity to have him on the show. We even were lucky enough to actually go and do a little workshop with him for three days up in beautiful Ventura, and he was amazing. So I want people to know a little bit about him. I'm going to say a little bit, but I also want to know that let you know that you can find out a lot more about him at conflicthealing.com and also at his website at markrobertwaldman.com. And so I just want to tell you, he's written 14 books. He writes prolifically. He is an expert. He studies. He researches. He is a teacher at Marymount College. He teaches in the Holmes Institute. He I, two of my favorite books that I have right here, one of them is Words Can Change Your Brain, Conversation Strategies to Build Trust, Resolve Conflict, and Increase Intimacy. This has been really a wonderful book for me as an attorney mediator who tries to resolve conflict all the time. This I keep with me all the time. It's all yellow and written in, and I love it. And the other one, which is really his newest book, it's called Neuro Wisdom. The New Brain Science of Money, Happiness, and Success. And this is by Robert Waldman and Chris Manning. And you can see I even have my little sticker on here so no one steals it from me. <laughs> people will say, oh, can I borrow that? And they forget whose it is. So anyway, those are two of them. And then I read every month. I read his wonderful articles with his partner in crime, Andy Newberg, who is a, um, an MD in neurology. Anyway, I read his wonderful articles that he writes for Science of Mind magazine. So um, whether he knows it or not, I'm with him a lot. <laughs> Spend a lot of time with him with his beautiful writings and his wisdom, his own wisdom. And so um, I'm just going to have him tell a little bit more about some of the exciting things that he does, so I don't have to read it. So, Mark, we love you so much. Tell a little bit more so my audience gets a little bit of a taste of who you are. Sure. I've just jotted down a few notes about what I would like to share with you, and here they are. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a great sense of humor, too, so that's fun, too. 
And so usually the, I mean, one of the, one of the ways that uh, we've been, we set up a brand new model at Loyola Marymount University. It's called brain-based experiential learning. Mm -hmm. Because in the neuroscience research, the way in which we've been taught to learn and study and remember things uh, that's important absolutely has nothing to do with the way your brain remembers and wants to learn, how it learns very differently from anything that we've been taught. Well, this is why I love neuroscience. When I came into it, I was totally lost. If you go to PubMed and look at any neuroscience uh, journal, I can pull out paragraphs and I can show it to any other neuroscientist in the world and they won't even know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but within there, if you take the time and I like to sit back and maybe go through, you know, 500 or a thousand abstracts over a few hours looking for something interesting and, and new and maybe just read, you know, 20 or 30 papers a day. That's, that's kind of curious to me, but I don't read them from top to bottom. Uh, I just scan through them. I use my intuition. I sit back and just ramble around on the page until something jumps out at me. So I'm not using my thinking. I'm not losing, I'm not using my logic, which is kind of up here. Uh, to go after what I think I want to look at. I'm sitting back in this relaxed state of mindful awareness and I'm trusting my intuition to guide me, my whole brain, towards what it finds inspiring, anything that's new and different. And in that particular way of learning, this turns out to be the best way that your brain learns anything. So if you get one of my books, for example, or even if you're in one of my courses, I don't want you to start on page one. Start on page one if you feel like it. If you want to go to page 62 or start at the back of the book and then open up the middle, this is the most interesting way to find out what you intuitively, your own unique you know, personality, finds interesting. It's kind of like when you, know, when you go to a bookstore and you see something that looks interesting on the cover and you'll flip it around and look here and there, whatever else. I like to open up to some chapter and read the first paragraph. If the first paragraph doesn't grab me, for me, yeah. uh, you know, there goes the book. Imagine using that in all of our educational systems. Mm. So here's how the brain actually works, and then I'll answer your question about me from that intuitive place. <laughs> what you would do is that you would read something for maybe five or 10 minutes, or you would listen to the lecturer or the speaker for five or 10 minutes, mm -hmm. and then Ideally, you could pause the recording if you're looking at it, or even if you're in a live room, just who cares? Zoom out. Just when something strikes you that's interesting, you immediately close your eyes, you kind of savor that insight, then you write it down. Sure, you've missed the next five minutes of what that person has said, but this is what happens when you're in a classroom anyway. Right. Your brain it focuses for maybe 20 or 30 seconds, and then it wanders off into a mind-wandering, daydreaming-like state. And what's happening when you're in that mind-wandering, daydreaming-like state, that's where the rest of your brain is deciding what's valuable and important to it. So we all have a set of inner values. We usually disconnect from that. So here's a perfect example of that. I'm going to use a mindfulness bell. I'm going to ask everyone who's watching this and Mary. Uh, Mari. Yourself, Mari, to <laughs> just close your eyes and maybe yawn or stretch or just deeply relax for a moment. <sighs> and 
And I've been babbling on for about five minutes, tossing in a little bit of brain science here and there. And nobody's going to remember more than five or 10 words of what I said. Just ask your intuition right now. If it found anything that was interesting in anything that I just said, don't go look for it. See if you can just allow a sense come through you. Hmm. See what pops into your mind about what you found new, interesting, insightful, curious, or different in anything that I've just said. Well, I think what you talked about that kind of got me was, you know, when you hear something interesting, write it down and don't worry that you're going to miss the next couple sentences because that is what, you know, is going to resonate with you and that your mind does it anyway. So you might as well take the, the important stuff that really resonates and kind of ruminate about it or think about it. Right. So your key thing was, oh, you know, you know, pause, take something that you found interesting and write it down. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. If we had another 50 people here in front of the camera, 30 of them would have something totally different. Right. And a lot of people would write down something that has nothing to do with what I actually said. And that's perfectly fine. So most teachers out there are trying to get you to remember something that they think is important based upon their knowledge or their brain or their background that has nothing to do with the student in the room whose brain is trying to find out what's important to it. If we can remember that, that everybody has a unique curiosity, everybody has a different interest. I mean, I always wonder, you know, why does somebody want to go into that line of work? Why is somebody exploring that piece of research? How did they, how did they get into that? If we can learn how to trust our intuition to guide us, then we can see if what's interesting and curious to us might have value to other people. If it has value to other people, that's the basis for the type of work that perhaps you should consider doing. If it's a value to other people, they're going to pay for that. <laughs> you know? So, you know, that's why the, you know, the subtitle of both my book and this new program I created called the power of neurowisdom. It's the new brain science of money, happiness, and success. In other words, you have to find out, in, a, in the, uh, an instinctual part of your brain, what stirs you up? Yeah. You want to find out and look at in your past all the things that you have been passionately interested in throughout your past. That will give you a key and a clue to what your own unique passion is. If you don't have passion in the work that you're doing, half of your brain is going to stay asleep. You have to stimulate what's actually called the value network that's in the center of your brain. It's also your awareness network. It's also your social brain as well. Mm -hmm. What do you find deeply important, deeply valuable? What are your deepest innermost values? In that list of words that you can come up with, you can find out what your direction should be. Not what your parents told you, right. not what your minister told you, not what your teacher told you, but what felt driven but not impulsively, because you then have to bring that in. Well, okay, is this useful in the world? I have to pay my bills, whatever else. Okay. So we're going to mix your own intuitive interest and passion with the things that you think are important, along with the things you can 
elicit from the world in terms of what they might want from you, because they, they want your best. But with all of that being said, in a brain-based experiential learning model that's described in neurowisdom and in the power of neurowisdom, right. again, everyone, just close your eyes for a moment. Don't try to remember anything that's important. Again, what pops into your mind that you found potentially useful in everything I've said in the last five minutes. You know what hit me or what kind of was a memory for me was when you talk about experiential is so important. So like when I read your posts on Facebook that I love all the time, by the way, um, it's, you ask us to do something like just now you asked me to go within and listen to the bell and I am engaging, my brain is engaging, my body is engaging in an experiential way. And what also came to mind was why it's so important, because I teach too, you know that, that when we teach, it's so important to give stories because then people can relate to maybe some part of the story, like, oh, that's happened to me, or wow, I remember that happened to my mother or my sister. So that, again, engages me in that experiential. And then when you have me pause and participate with my own thoughts, it becomes a connection, not only to what you're saying, but a connection to you. So that's what came to my mind. And you can bring that into a dialogue, into an intimate relationship or a professional relationship. Imagine that both people simply sit back, stay in this relaxed state of mindful awareness, and we simply say whatever comes to our mind, but we're going to limit it to about 10 or 20 words because that's all you can consciously be aware of at the time. Yeah. And then the other person intuitively responds to what you said. You can go back and forth and back and forth. And the conversation seems spontaneous and, you know, where, you know, where in the heck this is going because that's outside of the normal way we talk. But then within four minutes, when we do this in a big group workshop, 25% of the people suddenly have tears running down their face. And you were, you were in one of those workshops. Yeah, beautiful. Like, I'm, I'm giving up all the ways that I think I should talk and listen to the other person. I'm trusting my intuition. I'm staying just aware of their face. I'm listening to the tone of their voice. I'm letting their words flow through me. And I just respond to what comes up next. And suddenly both people find themselves talking about something profoundly intimate to a stranger. And it's so surprising and so wonderful. That's the basis of that book, uh, Words Can Change Your Brain. So we teach our executive MBA students how to do that. You can go into a board meeting. You can go into uh, any group of individuals that you're, you know, whether it's a social group or a business group, mm -hmm. and you all train yourself to speak only 10 or 20 words. And then you go back into this relaxed, mindful state. It's like a meditative state. And you talk and engage from that meditative state. This engages a particular part of your brain that actually creates a balance with these other networks. Normally we're thinking about what we want to do or say. Right. So that's your thinking network or your central executive network. That gets tired really quickly or we hit a barrier and our mind goes wandering off. That's where the creative problem-solving parts of your brain are going on 
outside of your consciousness. It's also where all your fantasies and imagination are going on about if I did A, B, and C, something positive will happen. But if I did D, E, and F, something negative would happen. <laughs> so this is your default mode network. Uh, Seligman likes to call it the imagination network, so that's the word I like. And, what we do, and the amazing thing about this piece of neuroscience is that anxiety is purely imagination. Now take a moment and think about this. This, this is where, if you, if you want to know what I'm all about, I'm just out there to discover anything new in brain science that helps us have a better sense or a different sense of the hundred years of psychology and psychotherapy and personal development work that we've, that we've been doing. These are little nuggets. Nobody's ever been able to identify where anxiety is in the brain until now. Hmm. It's part of this imagination network. Wow. Which means... I'm thinking about something that might happen in the future. It's not real. It's not happening now. It's a fantasy, usually mixed in with a little bit of memories. When you realize that all anxiety is, is that your mind, your thinking, your consciousness is focusing on that part of predicting a potential negative future. Maybe something bad will happen. I don't know if I have enough. Maybe they won't like what I'm about to say, blah, 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 blah. The more well, that's based on your memories, a lot of it, right? No, half of it is totally creative. I knew. Oh, the other okay. part is the memories being pulled up because this creative part is only semi-language based. Hmm. So they're floating around. So if you can train yourself just to sit back and watch how your thoughts and feelings are constantly flowing in and out of consciousness, you'll see, first of all, that you're not your thoughts and feelings, that they're just constantly being generated by the imagination center of your brain, and they go about 30 times faster than you would ever be able to speak or write down. This is one of the reasons why people are always talking too much. If your brain can only remember 10 or 20 words, but I'm trying to capture the 10 seconds of incredible psychobabble going on, or neurobabble that's going on up here, the person ends up speaking about about three minutes trying to capture something that it's not even word based, but the listener is only going to pick out 10 of those words that you're saying. That's why I'm saying if I pause right now, nobody here is going to repeat accurately hardly anything I've just said, but you don't have to. If you take that time and just say, all right, what did I find useful or valuable? Then even the most spontaneous conversation or the most difficult otherworldly dialogue, you know, a bunch of neuroscience, shall we say, mm -hmm. then this is the most amazing discovery. You have this part in your brain that will always make sense out of anything in a way that you personally find valuable, and that's simply different from everybody else. So we're all walking but around. What part of the brain is that that's doing that, that, that can find that, that, that place? Here's our thinking network. Is that, is that the frontal lobes or what, what is that? Well, anytime <laughs> I say one part of the brain, it's always connected to everything else. Right, so right, this right, is right. This is all what's called brain network theory. And this okay. is changing the entire language of neuroscience. Okay. So this central executive network, your thinking network here, your consciousness is only right here. It goes back and forth between your imagination, your consciousness, pulling up memories, your consciousness. But... All of these research that's being done on mindfulness training and meditation training, when you can relax enough 
in that deeply relaxed state, you can watch how you think and how this part of your brain is creating all kinds of fantasies and imaginations. You're stimulating the salience network, okay? your thinking network, your imagination network, and that salience network. Hmm. And the moment you are being aware of, like right now you're probably thinking about what I'm saying because to be aware of, you just have to sit there and let my words flow through you. Right, right. And, every- and what's happening is something will jump into my head, even though I'm really, you know, because I want to focus on what you're saying. I love it. And I love you. And I want to hear every word. But I do notice as you're doing this, that a thought will come in, you know, and I'm going, okay, stop it. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. I'm trying to be really aware of what the thoughts are that are coming in as you're talking. And I'm saying, don't do that. I know. I know. Just <laughs> let, let them flow that. through until you get a little tiny aha experience. What? Wow, that was really cool. Then even if even as even as you're listening to this or watching this right now, I don't care if you miss the next two or three minutes of what I'm saying. If right. you have that little tiny aha experience, which is again your salience network connecting to the most creative, intuitive part of you, write it down. That's more important to you than anything I am saying. Well, that's why it's so beautiful that we're recording this, right? So that people can watch it a couple times or listen to it. I know for me, when, when I hear you or I need to read something that you've read, you know, I can read it five times. I underline it. I go, oh, I need to ruminate on this. I need to think about what does this mean? And so, you know, that, that's the beauty of us recording this is that people can watch it several times if they miss what you said five minutes ago because they were listening to something that took them away eight minutes ago. They can go back and hear it and have another new, um, but, a new insight. But you're still trapped. No matter how many times you go over it, you're still going to miss what I intended. <laughs> okay? So what you're sending is not what I'm receiving? I have this intention, that's wordless. I'm gonna write it out in a way that I think captures that intention. Right. You're gonna read those words in the way that your brain is gonna accentuate it. Everyone has this experience. You can read the same paragraph or an old book uh, two or three times, and it's like, it's different all the time. But have you ever thought about why it's different? Because, if you try to figure out what those words actually mean to me and make sense out of it in the way I'm hoping it makes sense to you, this is incredibly boring. You know, I, it reminds me of every 10 years I read Siddhartha again. I first read it when I was 18. And so I read it again, you know, by Hermann Hesse. And every time I read it, I'm in a different place connecting with him in a different place. So that that jumped into my mind. So when I read something and then I read it later, you're right, I may see something different, which is what's so beautiful about small groups. I, I, I run this circle, the spiritual circle, and we meet once a month and we do a reading, and then we talk about it, and we all see entirely different things in that reading, and it's wonderful to yeah. be able to discuss that. So neuroscientists, that's what you should do. You shouldn't yeah. be trying to learn what you think I'm trying to teach. You should learn how to trust your intuition, watch what it finds. And I use the word it because 
I am thinking that this is important. That's that little tiny conscious uh, central executive network up here. I'm asking a person to train themselves to go back and forth. What are you thinking about? What are you aware of? What does your imagination do with all of that? Back to thinking about it, becoming aware of how I'm thinking, becoming aware of how things are wandering around in my imagination. By going back and forth between those three networks, this, in the newest form, I mean, this piece of neuroscience has not even made it into a popular article or a single general public book. That is how you create the best psychological and emotional balance between these dozens of brain networks that are designed specifically to simply help you get those goals that your whole organism finds valuable, pleasurable, rewarding. Hmm. So let's talk about how that relates to what, there's a lot written on mindfulness, right? That, that's really out there. So let's talk about how that relates to mindfulness. I know when you're, when I was watching in my own brain, not watching, but kind of recognizing in my own brain how my thoughts were kind of like over here, you said something and I quickly grasped onto it. And then I said, Mari, go back. You want to hear what he has to say? So that was a form of mindfulness, but kind of let's go into that. You know, I, I, I know you say that meditation um, doesn't have to be the 20 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. I, I do it every morning. I get up at 5.15 and I meditate. And now Lloyd is meditating with me because he's recognizing the benefits. But I've done it for years. And for me, I, I enjoy doing that for 20 minutes. That's the key but, element. Whatever meditation you choose to do, do it out of curiosity and continue to do it because it's interesting and pleasurable to you. You can tweak any meditation. There's no right or wrong way to do any meditation out there, no matter what that spiritual teacher might have said. That's their belief system. You can mix and match different forms of meditation. And the more you follow your intuition, okay, intuitively, I want to meditate this way today, you'll find that you actually stimulate that important center in your brain, your salience network, because that's what meditation is designed to do. And that way, you'll actually get more into that, shall we say, an enlightened state, because enlightenment simply means awe. I've gotten out of the way of my old thinking and my old habits and my old behaviors to kind of see the world in the present moment, and that's always a brand new experience. Now, mindfulness, you know, there's two aspects of it. Mindfulness is being used, you know, you know, traditional mindfulness training teaches a lot of people who spend too much time in that daydreaming, mind-wandering imagination part how to focus their attention. And it can do it in all kinds of ways. You can listen to the sound of a bell, and as it fades away, the harder you listen, the more you're focusing your attention. Now, traditional mindfulness usually says, well, watch your breathing, which I find utterly boring. <laughs> but the other side of mindfulness is that, I mean, this is what John Kabat-Zinn originally said, moment-to-moment -moment awareness of any thought, feelings, or memories or sensations that float into your consciousness. So one is you begin just to watch your breathing so you can learn how to focus your attention, but then you sit back and you watch the different thoughts and feelings that will just spontaneously pop into your mind, note them, 
come back to your breathing. Note them, come back to your breathing. That's slowly teaching you how to focus your attention. And when you focus your attention, you have better emotional balance. The emotions are a much deeper part, part of your brain. But there's a part of mindfulness that's been overlooked. Wait a second, wait a second. We are just about out of time, so I'm going to have to have you kind of get through this. We could talk for hours. I love you, love you, love you. So finish that sentence. If you do 10 seconds of mindfulness once every hour and just allow yourself to watch all of this crazy stuff that's going on, that actually balances out all three networks in your brain. It's not about focused attention. You then have control over attentiveness, imagination, social, and self-awareness. Period. Oh, you are wonderful. You are wonderful. We got to do this again. I know you're so busy. Everybody wants you and, <laughs> and that's hard. So thank you for joining us because I know you are so busy and everybody wants to make sure that they get a piece of you. So thank you for this piece that I had today and uh, we will stay in touch and have you back again. Go to markrobertwaldman.com and join up and get his book. Listen to all the great stuff he has and go to his Facebook page. So thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. You gotta fight for-